Well, this morning, um, as promised, I am beginning a two-part series in order to address an important issue that has caused some division, some difference of opinion amongst people in general, but also with Christians. Um, it has to do with Pastor James Coates and Grace Life Church uh, in Edmonton. There's a picture of him here uh, on the screen. And he was the pastor who in Edmonton uh, defied the uh, government COVID restrictions and said, we're going to open up and we're not going to have attendance restrictions and we're not going to wear masks and all of that. And of course, he went to jail for that. And there's other Christian pastors uh, in Canada who've done similar things like this guy, Arthur uh, Pulaski. Um, and uh, some of you uh, who live in Calgary know a lot about, about this guy. And uh, so he takes a very similar position and defies the government restrictions. So millions of people believe that the pandemic is not real. Many people believe that it's some kind of a conspiracy. And that's why they tend to resist these uh, government restrictions. So I have just a, a little bit of a joke for you here that I just want to tell. Um, just to kind of lighten the mood here, okay? Everybody okay? Are you all relaxed? Okay, all right. So basically, um, there was this guy who was an anti-vaxxer, and he dies and he goes to heaven. And he approaches God at the pearly gates, and he says, Lord, what do you think about the vaccines? And God replies, well, they're amazing tools made by scientists using the intelligence, curiosity, and wisdom I gave to them. And the man gasped and he said, oh no, they got to you too. This goes higher than I thought. I had a laugh track ready just in case. Okay. Oh, I, I actually did. Here, listen. Okay, right here. You know, I thought just in case it fell flat. I want to thank Stephen Pridgen for giving me that. Um, anyway, I have been deeply troubled about this issue, very, very deeply troubled about it. I've had many, many conversations with it. I have prayed about it, as many of you have. Um, there are pastors in the U.S. who take a similar position, like John MacArthur Jr. in California. Um, I've had conversations with a neighbor of mine and other people, but this, I have a neighbor who's not a believer, and uh, he, 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 he'll say, he said, Brian, what do you think about this? And he's actually quite disgusted about the position of these churches who just defy the government authorities. And it's made my witness to him uh, difficult because he, does, he sees it as very, very wrong. And so a lot of you have been troubled about it as well. And I can guess right now that those of you that are sitting here today, those of you that are watching online, a lot of you don't agree with each other. You know, if you actually had an open conversation about it, I think you'll find that we have different positions on it. Some of you are confused and you don't know what to think. Others of you wholeheartedly support people like Pastor James Coates. Others of you are annoyed by his position. And so today I want to talk about not only the position that he's taken on this, but what I want to address the issue of what is our relationship to the governing authorities, to the state, um, and how should we respond when the state asks us to do something that we don't agree with. So let's just jump into God's Word right now, Romans chapter 13, the passage that John Wycoker read, and see if we can get some clarity on it. So first of all, John read 
Romans chapter 13. It's a, it's a well-known passage to many people. Um, before we jump to conclusions about what this passage means, what happens is a lot of Christians say, yeah, well, you know, I hear what that's saying. Submit to the governing authorities, but there's exceptions. And here is the problem, Christians. When you read the Bible, do not immediately jump to the exceptions to what the Bible is teaching. The way that we should study Scripture, and if you go to Bible college or seminary, you will learn this. It is important to say, what is this passage of Scripture actually teaching me? Don't go immediately to, you know, application in our current day. What we need to do is let the Word of God live. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. What was the original writer, the author of that? What did God want to say to the person who wrote that? What was the intention? What was the literary context? Read it in context. So we need to read that passage uh, in, in light of what Paul was saying in this letter to the Roman Christians. And once you understand that, and once you put it into historical and culture, because there was a history and a culture of that day. And there were things going on that prompted the Apostle Paul to write what he wrote in Romans chapter 13. So what were the opportunities, the problems, and the challenges that he was facing in his day? We need to understand the text that we're studying. And only after humbly listening to what the Lord wants to say through the passage and putting it into its historical context, its cultural context, then we can go to application and say, ask the question, how should we apply this teaching to the opportunities and the problems and the challenges we're facing today in the 21st century? So, suspend your judgment for a second. Let's just see what God's Word says. Verse 1. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. Submit to the governing authorities. Now, we've been doing some podcasts in the church, myself and Shramal Ranasinga, Ryan Sia. We're going to expand the number of uh, people that are participating in this. But we have done some podcasts that have addressed these kinds of issues. And you might want to go to our website, you know, firstnaz.ca slash podcast, and uh, give a listen to that. But somebody who had listened to the podcast, and I mentioned this, I think, last Sunday, said to me, I really appreciated your podcast on limitations to our freedoms, you know, as Christians and all that, and said, but I must disagree with you. Um, we do not need to submit to authorities that themselves are not submitted to God. And so what this person was writing is, if the authority is not submitted to God, we don't have to submit to them. If they are ungodly, we don't have to. Sounds good, but it's completely unbiblical. And it's not at all what the Apostle Paul was saying. So when he says submit to the governing authorities, he's talking about the secular authorities. He's talking even about those who are ungodly. Whether you agree with them is beside the point. Whether the authority is acting in good faith is irrelevant. Even if the one in authority is unfair, even if they live immorally and they're corrupt, we are still called by God to be subject to them or to submit to them. So in Romans 13, that's what the Apostle Paul is saying. So people might ask, why should I submit to a government 
that I disagree with or if they have measures or restrictions that I don't agree with. Well, here's the reason why. Verse 1, he says, there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. So there's consequences to defying the authorities. Now, James Coates experienced those consequences, and I think he did it gracefully, to be honest with you. In verse 2, he says, Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring punishment or judgment on themselves. Now, human authorities exist to maintain order and to promote human flourishing for the citizens. That's why they're there for, to keep order. So we don't each just become a law to ourselves. This is what the United States Constitution reads. I know we're in Canada, but I like this. This is what it says in the preamble to the Constitution for the USA. We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, listen to this, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. There is a role for government, and we should be thankful for them. So what Paul is saying in this passage, Romans 13, he's saying those who defy authority will come under judgment, first of all, by the human authorities themselves. Notice what he says in verse 3. He says, rulers hold no terror for those who do right. Ah, but if you do wrong, you should be afraid. Do you want to be free from fear? Then do what is right, and you will be commended. He says, do what is right, and all should be well with you. Do wrong, and you will suffer the consequences. So someone might ask, what does Paul mean in that verse, verse 3, by right and wrong? He says, do right, no problem. Do wrong, you'll suffer the consequences. What does he mean by that? When he says do right, look at the context. To do right means to submit and be subject to the governing authorities. Listen to them. And then he says, if you do wrong, meaning rebel against them and defy them, you will suffer the consequences. So let's follow the argument here. Verse 4. He says, for the one in authority is God's servant, for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. You know, if you defy them, be afraid. For they don't bear the sword for no reason. And then he says the same thing again. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. So Paul has already stated that all human authorities, that even means at work. You know, when you go to the workplace, the boss, the supervisor, they are a human authority. God has these hierarchies set up for a reason. So in verse 4, he says that not only has God established the authorities, but notice what he does. He strengthens his argument. He says, they are God's servants. Justin Trudeau is God's servant. He may not know it. Jason Kenney is God's servant. He, he may know it. Donald Trump, many people said he was God's servant. And you know, I agree. He was God's servant. He may not have understood that he was serving God. Maybe he did. I think he says he did. Uh, Joe Biden is God's servant. Even Putin in Russia is God's servant. They may not be faithful, but they are still serving God. They are God's servants. And they exist, he says, for your good. 
And that means for the good of society, so that society itself can flourish. Can you imagine if we didn't have the police? I mean, really, honestly, if, if we didn't have, you know, the, the fire department and emergency services and all of that, like, we should be thankful. Like, we've got power. We've got electricity. We've got plumbing. And they provide that for us. And it's for the flourishing of each citizen, of each person in that society. And that means then that if somebody steps out of line, the authority has the power to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Verse 4. And that's why Paul reminds us about the sword. You know, when he says they don't bear the sword for nothing, the sword is what you call a metonymy. And that means the sword means the power of the state to punish. That's all it means. That's all it means. He said they have that power. So all the human authorities, the Alberta government, for instance, they are his servants. So the state has been divinely appointed, and as such, they have a right and a duty to exact punishment on those who defy the authority. When the state lowers the boom on somebody because they rebel, they can find people, put them in prison, and whatnot. They're simply doing what they were called by God to do. And that's why in verse 5, look at this. Paul the Apostle says, therefore, it is necessary. Notice that. Therefore, it is necessary to submit, to be subject to them. Now, why does he say therefore? Anytime you see therefore in the Bible, ask what it's there for. He's saying because of what I've just said, you know, in these first four verses, the authorities have been established by God. They are God's servants. Those who rebel are actually rebelling against the servants of God, and they'll suffer the consequences. The one in authority exists as God's servant for human flourishing. And if you rebel against them, you rebel against God. That's why he says, therefore, it is necessary so Christianity and good citizenship go together. I would really like us if we could say that out loud. Now, if you don't agree with it, you don't have to. But Christianity and good citizenship go together. Ready? One, two, three. Christianity and good citizenship go together. Now, I think James Coates would have said he was practicing good citizenship. I don't agree in that particular instance. But I admire him for his courage. I have to tell you that. I do. And his grace under pressure. I just don't agree with the decision that he made. So the Apostle Paul says, therefore, it's necessary to submit, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. Why does Paul say we should submit, not because we're of fear, oh, you know, of punishment, but because of conscience? How many of you, I, I, I like to do this to Colleen sometimes when we're driving, I think I've done it the odd time. She'll be driving, and I'm in the passenger seat. That's usually how it is. Um, and uh, so she's driving, and I'll look over at the speedometer and think, oh, she's a little bit on the edge there. And I go, is that a police car? She hits the brake. <laughs> and it's like, there's no police car, you know. And I just, I go, guilty conscience, you know. Anyway, so... Uh, uh, <laughs> Like, but you know, all he's saying, by the way, I pick it on Colleen. I'm picking on myself, too, because I've done the same thing when I think there might be, and I'm, am, I, am I speeding? Um, but, you know, when he says do it as a matter of conscience, what he's saying is, 
if they if these authorities and they post the speed limits and all that i don't like the fact that on crowchild trail right now when we when i head north on crowchild you know they got 50 kilometers then 60 kilometers and 70 and then it goes to 80 and then it goes back and i, I wish they would have left it the way it was but guess what partly out of fear <laughs> i don't want to get a speeding ticket but also is i want to be a good citizen and i don't want to be i don't want to be a jerk who's just say who's going to defy that and so, and I, I'm concerned about the safety of others. And so we should submit to the governing authorities to keep a clear conscience before God. Guess what? They may not be watching. And there may not be a ghost car or a, a, a camera, you know, ready to catch you speeding. But the point is God knows. So we do it for him. It is the will of God that we submit to the governing authorities. Christianity and good citizenship go together. So if you defy the governing authorities, you're defying God. And will come under his judgment as well. So for the sake of it, and that doesn't mean you're going to go to hell when you die. That's not what that means. It just means I believe that when we defy the government authorities, now there's exceptions, by the way, and I need to say this now. There are exceptions, and we'll get to that more next week. But we may be defying God himself, and we'll come under his judgment. So then in verses 6 and 7, the Apostle Paul continues his argument. And he says, so this is also why you pay taxes. For the authorities are, again, that's why you pay taxes. Why? Why do I need to pay taxes to a secular government that I don't agree with and I, I never voted for? Because they're God's servants. It's right there in God's word. And he says, they give their full time to governing. What he's saying is, you know what? They need to pay attention to this, and you need to help pay their, their expenses, their salaries, and, you know, and that sort of thing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. You are a citizen. Actually, by the way, how many of you have dual citizenship here? Anybody? Actually, you should all raise your hand. Do you know where I'm going? How many of you have dual citizenship? Yeah. Online. Okay, you're a citizen of Canada, okay, and you're a citizen of heaven. The Bible tells us that. Philippians chapter 3, verse 21, and other places. You have dual citizenship, but you are also a citizen of this country, Canada. And guess what? Sometimes your citizenship in heaven and your loyalty to God come into conflict with your citizenship in this country and your loyalty to the state. And so that's where it gets a little bit difficult. So the first big imperative, the command in Romans 13 is this one. There's two of them. Submit to the governing authorities. That's in verse 1, and he repeats that. Submit to the governing authorities. That's an imperative in the Bible. He's not saying, you know, you might want to think about submitting to the governing authorities. He's saying, no, submit to the governing authorities. They are God's servants. And the second imperative here is give to everyone what you owe them. So you submit to them, and you give them what you owe them. Taxes, pay your taxes, even if you don't like it. Revenue, give revenue. Respect. I have been guilty of speaking disrespectfully of some of our leaders. And I've even done it in the last year. We need to be careful with that. People are watching. People are listening to us. Honor. The Bible says in 1 Peter, honor the king. That was Emperor Nero, and he was not a good emperor. As citizens, you know what Jesus, remember they took a coin, 
And they were trying to trick him, Jesus' adversaries. And they said, whose image is on here? And they, and they said, Caesar's. He said, and they said, well, should people pay their taxes? Should they pay this? They were trying to trick Jesus. And he said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. You can do both. You could be a good citizen of this country and you can also be a good citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And so as a citizen of Canada and as a legal resident of Calgary, I have rights and freedoms, but I also have obligations and responsibilities. And you know what? When my freedom begins to impinge upon the freedoms of others and threaten theirs, that's where I have to put limits on my freedom. If I become a threat to the health and well-being of others, I need to be prepared because of love to put a limit on that. And that's why Paul says, Romans 13, 8, let no debt remain outstanding. He's saying, pay all your debts. Tax to whom tax, revenue to whom revenue, respect to whom respect, honor to whom honor. But there's only one debt you'll never repay, ever. And that is the debt to love one another. And you know what? Love starts in the church and it goes out to the community, to the whole world. And he said, love says, I would never want to hurt you. I would never want to compromise you. I don't want to put you in danger. So where is the line? In this, how do we know when there is a conflict between God and the state? Where is the line? Does Romans 13 mean that we should give unconditional obedience to the governing authorities? And the answer is no. In Acts chapter 4 and 5, we see that the apostles of Jesus, they were commanded by the Sanhedrin, the Jewish high court. They said, you stop preaching in the name of Jesus. We command you to stop preaching in this man's name. Now there was a conflict. And they said, we cannot help but proclaim what we have both seen and heard. And they were willing to suffer the consequences. So you know what they did? They defied, they defied the order to stop preaching. Because they said, now we are submitted to a higher power. So there is a point at which, and that's what I said, don't begin with the exception. What the Bible says is we should submit, and there are certain rare circumstances, and there are places in the world where people need to defy the authorities because they are asking us to do something that is contrary to the Word of God. Uh, in Nazi Germany, you know, when they said, take down the cross and put up the swastika. And some churches complied. Well, we've got to obey the governing authorities, Romans 13. But there's a point at which you have to say no. And I'm going to talk about that more next Sunday, is where is that line, and when does it become, uh, when are we not only permitted, but when are we commanded to defy the authorities. And so next week I'm going to speak on 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning at verse 12. And you might want to read that. 1 Peter 2, verse 12. We're going to look more closely at where that line is. So for now, let me end with this. I'm going to offer just some guidance on where the line is between submitting to the governing authorities and defying the governing authorities. First of all, our default position is to be good citizens. Because good citizenship and Christianity go together. We cannot live in a society in which each person is a law to themselves. I love this passage 
Listen to this. Listen to this. And this is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. This is what the Apostle Paul says. He says, make it your ambition, your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands, just as we told you, so that, so that your daily life will win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. The Apostle Paul was so concerned that the way we live would win the respect of the people outside of the church, the body of Christ. This is so important, folks. That's our default position is that we're good citizens. Second thing is, although submission to the authorities is our default position, our highest allegiance is to God. And that means that if our loyalty to the state and our loyalty to God come into conflict, we have to choose God first. And there's many examples of that in the Old Testament and the New Testament. We'll do more on that next week. But civil disobedience, and that's what this is, should only be practiced really as a last resort when it's clear that the authority is trying to coerce you to do something sinful, to disobey a direct command of God, or to comply with something contrary to the clear teaching of Scripture. James Coates was making the argument that we were commanded to preach the gospel, and they told us we had to restrict attendance on Sunday morning, so they were defying the clear order of God. I do not agree. Churches, you know what? Churches have gathered in homes. There's many places where they don't have buildings like this, and they gather in small groups. We now have the capacity to gather online. and They didn't say stop preaching the gospel. More on that next week, but I have to tell you, folks, I think... You know, he was sincere, he was genuine, he was willing to suffer the consequences, he had the courage of his convictions, I admire him for that, but I think he made the wrong call. I think he made the wrong call. And I'm not alone in that. Um, and so, when for reason of conscience we have to disobey, we must be prepared to suffer the consequences and do it with grace, with grace, not with a fist. But we need to love our enemies and pray for those who are indeed persecuting us. Civil disobedience, if we do it, should be nonviolent. Folks, haven't you seen some people be violent about this? There's been some violent, violent rhetoric and violent actions. That should never be a part of people of faith. Whatever, if we protest, we do it peacefully, not with violence. It is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. Nonviolent resistance. When those in authority overstep their authority or act unjustly or unwisely, we need to be prepared to speak truth to power. It is right. Sign, write a petition. Speak truth to power. You can protest. You can carry signs, but we do it nonviolently. We do it peacefully. We do it with love, but there is a way to speak truth to power. Use your constitutional means that are at your disposal to express your dissent, to stand against injustice, to enact social and political change. Yes, let's do that. We should still do that. But there's a right way to do it. So here's what we should do. Choose an attitude of humility. This is not about our rights. And I'm going to talk more about this next week. When you became a Christian, you gave up your right to assert your rights. There's a place to do it, and then there's a place when we limit our rights for the sake of others, for the sake of the gospel. People say, 
Well, I know the pandemic is not real. And I know that masks don't work. And I know that the vaccine is whatever. The Bible says, 1 Corinthians 8, 2, knowledge puffs up. Pride, arrogance, but love builds up, love edifies. He's saying, if you think you know something, maybe you do, maybe you don't. Will you have the humility to think that maybe you're wrong? And that you would say, you know what, I, I think I know, I think I'm right, but you know, just in case, love compels me to protect others. Love always protects, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. So even if James Coates is right that there's no pandemic, even if he's right about the masks and all that, he's still wrong, I believe, to have defied the restrictions and opened his church up the way he did. So choose an attitude of humility. We just need to be humble about this. And then choose an attitude of meekness. It's not about our rights and freedoms. It's about God's mission. If when I try to assert my rights, I bring disgrace to the name of Jesus, I've got to tell you, when I meet with non-Christians, and they, they talk about this, it's made my witness more difficult. There's a stumbling block now. So I want to say to people, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about your rights and your freedoms. The Bible gives us all kinds of examples of those who suffered injustice gracefully. To this you were called, this is coming up in the scripture, right here. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you. Leave it unjustly, right? He suffered unjustly. False witnesses. Leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin. We can't say that. He was perfect. Yet, it says, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. Oh, yeah. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him, to the Father, who is the just judge. Wow. And so, I love this passage, 1 Corinthians 4, 12, and 13. You should, I encourage you to memorize this. I've memorized it. See if I can do it. Okay? This is what the Apostle Paul says. When we are cursed, we bless. When we are cursed, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure it. If someone curses you, what do you do back? Bless them. When you suffer, when you're persecuted, you endure it. When we are slandered, we answer kindly. That's the way of Jesus. That was what Jesus taught us, what Paul taught us, what Peter taught us. So look at these images. I don't know how many of these people were So there you go. We've seen that before. How about this one? I will never wear a face muzzle. I will never take the back seat. I don't know if that guy's a believer or not. Uh, this one, the new symbol of tyranny, the mask. Come on. And then this one. <laughs> when we are slandered, we answer kindly. When we curse, we bless. You know, the folks, the world is watching. The world is watching. They are listening. And so... If somebody's nervous about the vaccine, I respect that. I really do. If someone thinks that, you know, the mask isn't doing any good, that's, that's fine. Maybe it doesn't. I, you know, I'm not, a, I don't know. But they're saying we should wear it, and there are people that are saying it's good, so like, it's not going to hurt me. 
I don't like it. It's not about me. It's about the mission. I have a quote by Martin Luther. I'll probably save that for next week. About why during a plague in his day, he said, follow the precautions. And so the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, he says, I have become all things to all people, so that by all means I might save some. He says, you know what I do? He says, I accommodate myself, and I limit, You just read this, read all of 1 Corinthians 9 this week. He limited his freedoms, he limited his rights, because he said the gospel and getting God's message of love out to the world is way more important than my right and my freedom. And he humbled himself, and he was meek. That's meekness. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness says, I have a right, but I don't have to assert my right. And love compels me to bear witness to the love of God and to embody that love in all that I say and do. Um, to bless those who curse me, to answer kindly to those who slander me, you know, and, and to protect others. So choose to be a peacemaker. Humility and meekness make for a peacemaker. And I'm not going to use this next scripture here, but the Apostle Paul, when he wrote Romans 13, was so concerned about the mission. He was very concerned about the mission. He said, Christian, please don't bring disgrace to the name of Jesus. It's going to make my work so difficult. Because there were problems. Many of the Jewish people caused an uprising, and Emperor Claudius banished them from Rome. They were, it's called the expulsion of the Jews. And, and some of the people thought, well, the Christians, and many of, who, of whom are Jews, they said, they're troublemakers too. And he said, please don't be a troublemaker. That's not our witness. Christianity and good citizenship go together. They really do. So humility, meekness, peace. Um, there's going to be a couple of articles posted to our website. If you go to firstnaz.ca website and scroll down to updates, I got there's two articles, there are two blogs written by two Christian pastors, one in Saskatchewan and one in Lethbridge, that are so worth reading on Romans 13. I encourage you to go to that. And now I'd like to close in prayer, and the worship team is going to come and sing us out with one final song. Father, I thank you that you have given us your word. You've not left us without witness. You've not left us without instruction. And so, Lord, today, and I just want to ask right now, as we're, our heads are bowed, would you, would you pray this prayer in your own way? Lord, I am willing to take your word seriously. Show me how to be a good citizen of Canada in a way that does not compromise my citizenship in heaven. Give me wisdom so I would know how to submit to the authorities and when it is time to, with humility, defy them. Help me to know where that line is, Father. May I be willing to submit to the authorities, but even more to submit to your will. Father, my first loyalty is to you. Grant me the courage to speak truth to power when necessary, and the grace to willingly suffer for the sake of the gospel if I'm called upon to do so. Teach me, Lord, to wait upon your timing and to be patient when things don't go my way. Teach me humility. Teach me meekness. Help me to be a peacemaker. And help me to follow in the steps of Jesus 
taught us to turn the other cheek, to go the second mile, and to leave room for you to balance the scales of justice. Teach me to love my enemies and to pray for those who persecute me. I am crucified with Christ and I no longer live. Help me to know that. Keep me mindful, Father, that the world is watching. And my actions and my words are a message to them of the kind of God that you are. May I be a faithful witness. And may people be drawn to Jesus because of me. Amen.